Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are recovering mentally and physically from the Daytona 500 Sunday. It was quite the day, and we will recap everything that we saw on the track and how the bets did last week to kick off this episode. And then We'll get into it. We've got a solo episode this week, and we're going to be talking about Auto Club Speedway, the last time we'll be talking about it as a two-mile track. So we'll get into that, stats, the trends, the way we're putting together a data set for this last time through at Auto Club, and then we'll get to picking winners. And then, as always, we'll get to some finishing position bets, the book's aren't really giving us too much as far as odds, but we'll try to find some value out there to call out to see if this is something that you'd wet your whistle with. And uh, so we got three bets there. We'll also talk about our one-and-done pool, who we're zeroing in on this week to potentially take there. And if you've got one-and-done pools that you play for the season, well, maybe you'll tail me on that. And then we'll get into the head-to-head matchup section, and that includes a bonus bet and a little parlay conversation when we get there as well. So that's the check boxes that we're going to hit on this episode. But like I said, let's take a look back at Daytona because it was quite the Sunday. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is your winner. And we've got so much to dissect and it took a while to digest here. But the first thing we've got to say is good for Ricky Good for his team, that 47 crew, the JTG Doherty Racing team. Just really happy to see that. Another small team going out there and getting it done. They downsized to one car a couple years back, and I think this is the second year they're a one-car shop. So it's great to see them get that. Now, as far as the betting angle on Ricky is concerned, I have to say, I feel like, in retrospect, kind of overthought this a little bit which is a shame when you're looking back on it. So what I mean by that is I talked a little bit about this when we did the truck podcast with Derek Yoder on the NASCAR betting preview show podcast. I was saying for the truck race, don't overthink it. You know, it's usually a guy who has a a bigger name and he's going to make a big impact on the season. And sure enough, Zane Smith went out and got it done. Right. So we're saying don't overthink yourself. Well, I don't know why I didn't take that advice with the cup race with Ricky, because every time I saw Ricky on the the odds list or whether it was a head to head or whatever the case, I said to myself, well, he's a good, possibly great super speedway racer. It's just he really can't finish, can't finish, even though he's had the win at Daytona in the summertime and he's, he's won at Talladega. That was the thought that goes through your mind. So instead, I I avoided him on the outrights, and I faded him in head-to-head matchups, and that really comes back to bite. So that definitely hurts uh, when you're looking at the betting angle because you want to kick yourself. Like, why didn't I just look at this pretty straightforward? Hey, he's good on super speedways. It's tough to find people that are good on super speedways. I'll throw something on him. I'll sprinkle a little something on him at plus 4,000 or whatever he was. And so it's tough to just move past that, I guess you would say, but we will do that. I mean, it, it, it makes it all the tougher that we had Joey Logano outright in a number of different books uh, because we didn't get to see them come to the checkered flag. And that was a little bit upsetting to see after a really solid race. I thought the race itself was pretty good. They were definitely mixing it up a little bit more later as expected, we saw them, you know, not be able to get back to that checkered flag. I, I guess it was Almarola got into somebody, but I don't know if something happened with him to force that to happen. But uh, he got into the car in front of him, and then Larson was stuck in the middle. He gets turned, and all hell breaks loose. And then it's all about when the the caution waved and who was out front. Um, I saw Logano actually <laughs> came. He came back and 
you know, he let Ricky ride in the front for a while, and then when they got to the checkered flag, he passes Stenhouse before they announced who the winner was. I thought that was kind of funny to watch. Uh, a little bit of a statement there. But as someone who had Logano for a, a decent clip, that was a little bit more of a gut punch, the fact that I didn't have Ricky in my card. But it is what it is, you know. It's a sign of maybe another wild season upon us, the fact that uh, another small team kicks off the year with a big win for them and you would think theoretically locking Ricky Stenhouse into the playoffs. That's a, a wild thought here in February, but, well, here we are. So uh, despite the fact that we didn't have Ricky, you know, the, the bets overall – kind of shook out we were just under even so the things that did go well we had uh, a few top tens that saved us we had aj allmendinger in the top 10 that was a good one we had chris busher hit in the top 10 both those guys were coming on strong at the end so uh, i was kind of holding out hope we might cash a, a big ticket on the dinger uh to win out right there as he was coming alive late but all for not there but we did get the top 10 for both those guys. Then we were really riding the Noah Gregson over Harrison Burton head-to-head matchup. Had a decent amount on that. And I'll tell you what, I was shaking in my boots there for a little while because Harrison Burton didn't do Harrison Burton things uh, early in the race. He was really up there and performed quite well until he eventually uh, finished you know, mid-20s, which is what we expected, but it just took a while to get there. Uh, And Noah only beat him by two spots, so definitely sweated that more than I thought. Um, We also had the Penske Parlay hit, and that was by the, you know, skin of our teeth there with Blaney wrecking and then fighting back to let that one cash. Just truly unbelievable. I wrote that one off, but the Penske Parlay comes through, and that really was a big savior for us as far as the the card goes. But we had Bubba uh, for a top Toyota, and you know I don't think Bubba got a fair shake. That was kind of tough, but that's super speedway racing. Like you don't really get to see some of these guys race to their full potential because they get caught up in stuff throughout the race. So. Uh, Super Speedway betting is definitely tough, but that's what makes it fun because, you know, really anyone can win and it's the absolute chaos factor that is always lurking around every turn. And, well, we were definitely hit by some of that. A few of our top 10 plays that we really liked, Amarola for one. I mean, he was somebody that I thought had a great race. We had a a few different things on him. He gets caught in that stuff at the end and has a, a, a bad finish in air quotes um, so it is what it is, you know, we'll, we'll move on after a couple top tens and a parlay hit finish just under even there. And, uh, we'll move forward to a little bit, I guess, less uh, volatile track and, uh, we'll be looking forward to it. So that was Daytona the day itself. I had some fun. We had, uh, cousin Greg over. He's a, a recurring guest. We had our resident Amarola fan, Nick, over, and, and F1 Frank, those guys were all over. We did a little random draw out of the hat to see who um, who won the money there. We, we split the whole field up, and, uh, well, Nick walks away with our winner, so shout-out to my buddy Nick there for cashing that. But we had ourselves a day, got after it, and had some fun watching a, a good race. It was fun to watch F1 Frank uh, really kind of amazed at the end like wow he, he said a few times out loud like nascar is crazy man nascar is crazy so uh that was cool my my efforts to convert him into a fan using the super speedways to start is definitely um maybe working a little bit there we'll see as talladega comes up in just a few weeks so let's move forward we're putting it in the rear view you know we'll recover physically definitely had uh you know some some beers needed to recover from we're past that now we're going to be looking forward now for the bets and it's auto club they're going all the way across the country daytona to california you know shout out to the truckers out there getting the job done for these teams because they've got quite the week ahead of them here and they're going to auto club and this is the last time We will be going to the two-mile track at Auto Club. Last time it will be on the schedule for one, maybe two years because they are going to convert this track into a short track. And I think the original thought 
when you heard about that, at least when they announced that and when I saw the headline, I thought a year and a half ago that they were just going to put a short track somewhere on the property. But I did not realize they were turning the entire track into a short track and we were losing the two mile one. So uh, that realization, we're all coming to grips with that now and the last time we'll ever be here. So uh, I know a lot of gamblers out there like this track because of the fact it's complete opposite of Daytona, less volatile, you know, more uh, predictable or, or the stats that you have can definitely lend itself to cashing some tickets. So um, that is, I guess, upsetting to quite a few people out there. And it'll be a shame to see a, a track leave the schedule and we'll have a, a hole in the schedule now for a couple years until they get that short track up and running. Who knows what that's going to mean and what that track will look like uh, when they actually have a product on the track. We'll be uh, maybe looking back and wishing they didn't do it, but that'll be a conversation for another day. So let's get to the track stats since this track, this is the last hurrah, the RIP, the swan song, whatever you want to call it. 32 races in the history of the Cup Series at Fontana. The pole sitter has won the race three times. Last time it happened was Martin Truex Jr. in 2018. The winner has started in the top five 42% of the time and started in the top 10 55% of the time. So really lending itself to uh, a decent amount of people that didn't necessarily qualify well to winning the race. The Winner has started outside of the tw- uh, excuse me top 20, 23% of the time. The last time it happened, though, was a little while back. Kevin Harvick in 2011. But just so you're aware, I mean, Kyle Larson was the winner last year. He started 13th. So outside of that top 10. Manufacturer trends. Chevy has won four of the last six races, and Toyota has won those other two. So uh, it's been a while since Ford has gotten it done. Last time they did it, it was Brad Keselowski driving for Penske in 2015. So, a little bit of a, a stretch there for Ford. We will be calling out a Ford driver in the Picks to Win segment here. But uh, looks like Chevy, and they are definitely represented on the odds board as they're the favorite manufacturer to win at plus 105 right now on Barstool. So, like I said, Larson won last year, and that really kicked off a, a good road trip for the Hendrick crew. We had Larson and then Bowman. I mean, they were all just kind of clicking on all cylinders there. So, I think a lot of people are looking at that saying, you know, are they going to be able to do that again? The way I'm trying to look at this to try to determine if that's the case is with the set of numbers first, looking at the most recent races at Auto Club. I'm going back four races And that doesn't seem like a lot, but because they only come here one time a year, that brings us all the way back to 2018. So that kind of is a little further back. And so four races, looking at average finish, driver rating, just like we usually do. But the thing that makes this racetrack fun, I think, for fans and for gamblers alike is the fact that this is a high tire wear track. It takes a lot of skill and a lot of strategy to be able to pull off this. And this tells you a lot about the way drivers drive and the way Crew chiefs handle things as well. The teams are involved. It's just an all-around good track for the sport. So I'm looking at the last year, in 2022, when we had this next-gen car, we had four tracks that you could label high tire wear. According to iFantasy Race, uh, Ryan over there does a great job at similar racetracks. And we're looking at the two Darlington races, Homestead, and, of course, the Auto Club uh, track. So I am not including Michigan just because Michigan is a two-mile track. I'm, I'm sticking more with, like, what were the tracks that were high tire wear. That's what I'm focusing on when we're looking at that set of information, just looking at the how they did, uh, top tens, average finishes, that whole thing. So we're going to use that information to try to help us make educated decisions about these different bets as we're looking at the odds board, what stands out. So it's that perfect combination, that sweet spot of odds, plus stats equal success. Now, Kyle Larson was going off at 7 to 1 on Barstool. That was the best odds I saw for him. Obviously, you know, we've talked about it. NASCAR sports books have recency bias. I mean, he won last year, so automatically he goes to the top of the board. He's already down to 650. So, 
people uh, taking him, I guess, is a little bit of an insurance play. We're going to talk about Larson later in this episode uh, because, yeah, you could definitely take him as an outright, but I'm going to be calling out three other guys a little bit longer odds. Um, more towards the top of the odds board. Then I have a longer shot that I think a lot of people kind of have their eyes on. We want to talk about him and why. So we'll we'll get to Larson, but not necessarily in the odds to win section. So let's kick it off. I've got the first guy that I really want to talk about, and that person is Joey Logano. He's going off at plus 1,200 to win the race. He's plus 180 for a top five finish. That's going to come in handy as we get into some of these stats later. But the reason that I'm going with Joey first here is because I started writing down my stats Thursday of last week. I just, you know, it was kind of on a bit of a high, finishing up all the Daytona stuff and um, was just looking for something to, to keep me occupied NASCAR-wise and started jotting down my notes for Auto Club, digging into, you know, who was good here over time and digging into the high tire wear stuff and his name jumped off the page to me. And so I was kind of waiting to see where he would fall on the odds list when the books came out with him. And to see that he was 12 to 1 and to see that there were a decent amount of guys between him and the, the favorite, Larson, really got my attention. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, you know, let me take another look back at this. Was I wrong to kind of focus on him? And the, the first thing about it is he has never had a win at Auto Club. So there's that. But there's only like four guys in the Cup Series running this weekend that have a win at this racetrack. So that's not necessarily a huge negative. It's just, you know, he hasn't found victory lane here. But looking at his last four races at the racetrack, he has three top five finishes and four for four in finishing top 15. His average finish is 6.0 in those last four races. That is good enough for second out of everybody. So really good stuff. And then when we're looking at the driver rating for Joey Logano, he's second there as well in the last four races, 107.8. How good is that? Anything in driver rating above 100 is definitely right, worth writing home about, and 107 is damn good. So going back, if you're looking at all of his races at this track, since he joined the 22 car, he had a little bit of a rough start when he was driving for Gibbs. But since he joined the 22 car for Penske, he has been very, very strong. That time span is nine races. So he's had nine races in the 22, and he's finished outside of the top 12 one time. That's impressive. One time in nine races where he's had, you know, what you'd consider maybe a bad race. And six of those nine times, he's finished in the top five. So that is really where I was mentioning earlier, that top five number plus 180 it would be nice to get that at a you know bit of a longer odds there, but still, he is a top-five machine in the more recent years at this racetrack. Now, the kicker for me was Joey Logano in 2022 on high-tire wear tracks. His average finish was first out of everyone in NASCAR. He had three top-fives of the four races on high-tire wear tracks last year, so that's just a perfect feather in the cap, right? You're talking about a guy who has historical numbers at this racetrack they're pretty good and the fact that he was good last year in the next gen car on this style track this high tire wear style so that is something that you know stands out to me and then last year on this track he finished fifth he led 14 laps so logano overall i mean he just really stands out to me at this track and then you take into consideration the fact that this is the last time that they'll be here doesn't that kind of sound like joey logano's thing like he, he won the first Bristol dirt race. He won the first time the the Clash. Last time at a racetrack, that kind of seems like something he would do as well. So um, definitely not a statistic to go off of there, more of just a, hey, let me just throw this out there. Doesn't this feel like a Joey Logano thing? So 12-1 to 1 to win the race, plus 180, top five. I like both of those for Logano. So We'll see if we can get it done. And then the gambling gods have been talking to me this week. I've just been seeing the number 22 left and right everywhere. I woke up last night a bunch of times, 122, 222, you know, just crazy stuff throughout the day, seeing 22 throughout at work and, you know, out and about driving around. It's just popping out to me. So when the gambling gods are speaking to you, you got to open up your ears and open up your wallet 
and make sure you're listening and taking advantage because who knows when they'll speak to you again if you keep ignoring them. So Logano is the first guy that I'm calling out. Next guy, let's move on. If it's not going to be Logano, who else could it be? This guy's a little bit shorter odds than Logano, but it definitely makes sense. Uh, he is someone that showed good speed at the Clash. He showed really good stuff at the Daytona 500. I'm talking about Kyle Busch plus 1,000. And to me, this is the race that I've really been waiting for to see what RCR has because the Clash and Daytona, they're great, you know, in their own lane here, but they're not going to tell you much about what the team has. This is a racetrack that we're able to see, you know, who's going to be able to go out and, and perform well. What do they have? Do they have something there that they can build off of for the year? I feel like Auto Club is a good barometer to see that exact thing. And I think a lot of us are waiting to see what the eight team has, what RCR has. So this is going to be interesting. The, the other thing about it is, we talked about this last year with Brad Kozlowski and Austin Sindrick, how you know we had Sindrick sliding into the two car, which was historic for a while. Um, I'm not going to say that the eight car was historic in 2022, but we're seeing that driver swap. We're seeing Kyle Busch leave the Toyota camp and go to that eight car, and then we're seeing Reddick move over to Toyota for 2311 racing in the 45. So, Reddick was phenomenal last year at this racetrack. He was very, very good. Led 90 laps, got caught up in you know something later on. I think it was Byron who who mowed him over. I'm not sure what happened there, but uh, in any case, Reddick looked really strong. So what does that mean moving forward? Does that mean that Reddick has the ability to drive really well on that race car, uh, on that racetrack rather? Or was it the shop? Was it the race team that had that car souped up, ready to go, and we're going to be able to plug and play Kyle Busch into that machine, and they're going to go out and perform really well? That is a question that we're going to be asking ourselves all season long, and this is a great opportunity to see what the you know who strikes first. What's the first punch in that fight, in that conversation? So can Kyle go out and capture what they had last year in that eight car? Dylan was strong as well. So RCR is coming here with some really good notes, you'd have to imagine. So let's see. Now, Kyle Busch, 10 to 1, his last four races, Kyle is the top dog at this racetrack. So again, different car, but the driver itself, he's pretty damn good. He's got one win, three top fives, four top 15s, kind of like what Joey Logano had, except his average finish is first. He outdueled Joey there, 5.0 in the last four races. His drive rating also first, 110.6, and that includes a pretty shitty last race a year ago at Auto Club for Kyle Busch. He did not perform very well. Uh, high tire wear tracks last year, Kyle Busch was not that great. He was 26, but he started to show uh, some little bit more speed towards the end of the year. His silver lining was that he was ninth at Homestead. Then you look at the fact that Reddick was pretty decent, at least better than Kyle was on those tracks. So will we see a, an even swap there right into that car and see some instant success here? So this is another one of those driver's history, plus the fact that RCR has been strong on these types of tracks since last year. And they had a good performance at this particular track last year. Will we see Kyle Busch step up and grab that? I think it'll be a, a good driver to take some money on because we'll want to see how his race unfolds. And I think we could be pretty happy about it. So 10 to 1 in that 8 car. Lock it in. The last guy I'm going to call out as far as a race winner is concerned is another longer shot. We talked about him last week on the Daytona episode. And he's getting a lot of buzz on Twitter early on. I typically like to try to avoid who everyone is on early in the week until I get to record. But this one was impossible to avoid. It was definitely someone that I had written down. And I saw his name early on in the week because of something that went down with one of the sports books. But this guy is Eric Jones, plus 3,000 right now on DraftKings and Barstool. He's plus 400 for a top five finish. So this might be a little bit of a trendy long shot. I don't think we're you know, calling somebody out that's out of left field for a lot of people who are paying attention to the numbers. But he had a lot of buzz early in the week because Bavada 
put him out there at 201. Somebody must have fat fingered that number for them. I'd have to imagine they were trying to say 20 to 1 and made it 200 to 1. So his name, plus Bovada was the first book that I saw that posted odds. So the offshore accounts were able to, you know, start getting into some money early. And uh, that was definitely somebody that was like, wow. Who, who wouldn't want that 200 to one on somebody like Eric Jones? And then you get into his stats and it makes even more sense. So he's got five races at Auto Club in his career. He's got one top five, three top tens. His average finish in the last four races there is 9.8. That's eighth in NASCAR. His driver rating is seventh. So this isn't just some random guy we're calling out that Bovada fat fingered to get 201 odds. No, this is they, they made quite a mistake for anyone out there who got that. And if you are someone who got that bet, I am cheering for you. I am cheering for Jones so hard for those people who got in on that early and took advantage of that to cash that big ticket because that would be absolutely epic. But he's strong here. This isn't a random dude, a random schlub. Historically, he's got the numbers. In 2022, he was also very good on high tie wear tracks. Ninth and average finish on those four tracks that we mentioned, the two Darlingtons, Auto Club, and Homestead. He won the Darlington race, one of the Darlington races, rather. So this is not a fluke. This is not someone random. I keep saying it. His driver rating in Auto Club uh, last year at this race was the best driver rating in the field, 122 unreal there's that 22 number again by the way just calling that out on the side there but in any case eric jones was a force last year he started second he finished third he was just there from the moment they unloaded the truck off that long cross-country trip the 43 car was ready to go and he took advantage of it his top 10 number is not great that's what's funny about jones right now if you're looking at a book that offers all of it you're going to be able to see that he's plus 3,000 to win, plus 400 top five, but then he jumps to minus 150 top 10. And clearly, the books think that he's a shoe in for a top 10, but a top five is less obtainable. So that's why I'm you know, really interested in the top five and the outright number. So let's capitalize on Eric Jones however you can. If you can get a good number for him in any way, I would keep your eyes peeled because this is someone who is down the odds list here who has really good numbers. So it's Joey Logano plus 1200 for a win top five is plus 180 kyle bush 10 to 1 and eric jones 30 to 1 for a win and plus 400 top five get out there and get those in quickly but how much hundred dollars two hundred dollars thousand hey wait a second what are you doing you're not betting you know he's not supposed to bet come on jerry it's a lock kramer you've had this thing under control for almost three years now don't start again but it's a lock no so now we're going to get into the finishing position segment. Going to kind of take some liberties in this area. We're going to be throwing out a bunch of different types of bets here. But before I do, I actually just came across a tweet that scares me. So this is not something I planned on talking about, but I am seeing right now here on Wednesday that the weather for this weekend looks absolutely atrocious for Fontana, California. I never would have thought that. Rain in California, that is not something that goes through my mind, but the weekend forecast looks dismal. So you're going to want to take that information and be aware of it. Follow that. We're going to want to find out how the qualifying order is going to be set. If qualifying is rained out, um, what the practice schedule is going to look like. Will they run the race without any sort of on-track activity? Just keep that in mind as you're placing any of these bets because that could throw some of these into a bit of a tizzy um, depending on what decisions NASCAR makes. So very early in the season, and NASCAR is already being forced to go through the ringer with the weather. So keep that in mind. Just wanted to mention that since I just saw it here. So the first bet that I want to talk about is a top 10 bet. And I think there's a lot of people out there, myself included, who have been a little disappointed now in the top 10 market in NASCAR. I mean, it's been something that I used to love talking about. I mean, hell, we cashed two of them for Daytona, but Daytona is a different beast. We saw Caesars and MGM offering ridiculous top 10 odds, like minus 700 for the favorite to finish in the top 10 at the Daytona 500. And now we're seeing it again 
minus 700 for Kyle Larson on Caesars. And that is just ridiculous. We're just not getting good numbers here. So you're going to have to really shop around. You have to pay attention if you're looking for top 10 bets. So the first thing that I'm going to call out is Kevin Harvick. He's just about even odds. He's minus 103. So that's something that I'm comfortable with. Minus 103 for Kevin Harvick for a top 10. Doesn't seem like decent odds because I know a lot of times we're looking for like the longer odds in this category. But to me, Kevin Harvick, this is uh, someone who fits the bill. So in Auto Club, he's got three straight top 10 finishes. He finished seventh last year. And for his career, he's got a 50% hit rate at Auto Club. He's 14 for 28. But then if you just focus on the more recent races, so been here 28 times, once a year, that is just crazy. So 28 years, essentially. 12 of the last 17 races that he's been here, he's finished in the top 10. So what we're trying to say there is he's figured it out, had some growing pains early in his career, driving that 29 car, but especially more recently, he is someone who likes Auto Club, according to the statistics, if you're looking at top 10 finishes. Uh, In 2022, he was seventh in average finish in high tire wear tracks, which was a little bit surprising to me because You know, he was going through that slump, didn't get that win until later in the season. But he is seventh in that category with an average finish of 13.0. And he had three top 10 finishes in the four tracks that we're comping here. So all of that is leading me to say Kevin Harvick for a top 10 finish at minus 103 seems like a bit of a steal. Like I'm going to be on that. And that's on Barstool at the moment. So I'm going to take that now hoping that it does not uh, change for you if you're listening to this on a Sunday. But keep your eyes peeled for Kevin Harvick, top 10 in any book that you can get it at a number like that. So he's my first one here in the finishing position segment. Now, I do have another top 10 to call out, but I'm going to put a little sandwich together here because I think this one might be my favorite bet of the weekend that I've seen so far. Austin Dillon. He was someone who jumped out of me. We talked a little bit about him a second ago when we were in the Kyle Busch area. And this is somebody that going through the stats, I was making an asterisk next to his name saying, I need to look for something, need to get something on old AD here. And I thought he ran a really good race at Daytona, um, strong, you know. So I guess you could take whatever you consider that momentum out of there and see what we got. Now, my mind immediately went to, all right, Let's throw Austin Dillon in a top 10. I didn't really love the odds that I'm seeing so far. It was like minus 115 or something like that. And then I was like, all right, well, what about top five? You know, still wasn't that great. It was like plus 400. And thinking to myself, all right, well, that's a decent bet, I guess, plus 400. Like, I, If you believe in Dillon, top five should be obtainable. But then I came across a bet on Caesars. This is Group F on Caesars. Where Kyle, excuse me, Austin Dillon is going up against Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez, and Ryan Priest. He is plus 350 to win that group. So I just want to first get into Austin Dillon's numbers here, and then I'm going to talk about why I like that. So Dillon at Auto Club, he's got one top five, three top tens in his last four races at Auto Club. His average finish at Auto Club in those time span is ninth, 11 point five really good stuff there he's got more top tens than all of the other three drivers in this group combined last year austin Dillon was second in average finish on high tire wear tracks which was 8.0 amazing for austin Dillon. like he is not somebody who we think as just like being able to get it done on you know non-super speedways but this is clearly a, a style of track that fit him in the next-gen car. So looking at who he's up against, I think the big name you got to worry about is Daniel Suarez. He's going to be someone that, you know, is performed well last year at this track uh, and, and someone that could definitely beat him here. But the odds are what stand out to me. So let's look at this, right? For top 10, I think the best you could get him top 10 is probably plus 115. I think that's Barstool, and then plus 400 to finish top five. So if he's going to finish top 10, he's got to beat 30 other drivers. If he's 
going to finish top five. He's got to beat 35 other drivers. How about just beating three guys and having the odds as plus 350? Anything can happen on that racetrack. And if he goes out and performs like he did last year, this would be a cakewalk. He beat Suarez by a hair, but, you know, he still got it done. So if everything plays out like he did last year, it would be all good. He finished second in this race last year, which is why we're high on RCR coming into this season on these tracks. So you just got to beat three guys. And your odds are almost identical as the, the top five number. Uh, and, and way better than the top 10 number. So this is why this strikes me the way it does. This is why I'm calling this my favorite bet right now. I've already put this in. Um, so hopefully you're able to go out and get that as well if you like that. Now, if you don't like how he's got to go up against Suarez, hang tight because we're going to talk about him in just a bit. Now, the last guy I'm going to talk about in this segment, I've got a double dip here. So I want to go into Eric Almarola. We want some value in a top 10. He's plus 250 to finish in the top 10. And he was another one that I was impressed with at the Daytona 500. I know he got into that wreck in the final uh, lap there, and he ended up not with a, a good finish. But I thought that car was strong. I thought he raced really well for that entire day. He was always in the mix, always up front. So I like that. Uh, I would say... Eric Amarola is a bit of a streaky driver. You know, when he performs well, he kind of goes off for a little while there, and then uh, you got to ride that wave until it crashes. So I would say that because he had such a, a solid day overall, outside of the wreck and the finish at the end, that he's got some solid takeaways that he can apply some momentum to, kind of like, you know, Dylan as well. In his last three Auto Club races, he finished top 10. He's fourth in average finish in the last four races at Auto Club, 8.8. Eric Amarola we're talking about. Like I, I guess he starts the season pretty strong. I kind of forget about that year in, year out, but he has done so. Now, going back to 2016, he's been improving every year he comes here. So going all the way back to that race, he finished 21st. year after that, 19th, then 12th, 9th, eighth and sixth last year 2022 at auto club in the next gen car he was a veteran who was able to i guess figure out that next gen car quicker than some of the others Stuart haas i believe as a group is stronger this year than they were last year at least a little bit more confident so Almarola, good stuff at this racetrack and then he's fifth best in average finish at the high tire wear tracks 12.3 I mean, crazy stuff. So this is good value here for a driver with strong auto club background and a good average finish last year on these high tire wear tracks. He had one top 10, and it came at this racetrack, that sixth place finish uh, of the four high tire wear tracks. So good stuff here. Got to keep your eyes peeled on how he unloads with practice. Maybe you hold off on this uh, for a little bit. But because of what we're saying here, I want to mention, the one-and-done pool. I talked about it with Derek as kind of our introduction, and we, we started this up in conjunction with Chris from the Flag Hunting Podcast, and we went out and got a bunch of other people who do the NASCAR gambling content with their own pods or their own shows, and we're trying to string together you know, a bunch of shows to try to see who can come out on top. And what you do is you choose one driver every week as your guy, and once you use them, you can't use them again. And the fun thing is, this is officially the ToolHangers.com NASCAR one-and-done pool for the year for everyone involved here. And ToolHangers, you may remember, they put together a, a great uh, game for us last year with the ToolHangers Bet of the Week. This year, we're going into it with the one-and-done pool, and we'll do a little bit more maybe as the year goes on, bring back that Bet of the Week pool, give out a gift card like we did last year. But for now, ToolHangers, uh, just to call them out here, they specialize in custom tool hangers for storing organizing and displaying on pegboard tool walls from circular saws drills batteries cords garden tools hand tools and more they have a product to fit any type of your need so i like to say if you're you know redoing your garage or your basement you need a place to kind of uh, get more things stored up look to tool hangers to fit everything that you're trying to hang on your wall to clear some space for yourself i've been talking to them talking about these guys to my friends who have been redoing their houses and stuff like that. It's a, a great 
made in America product. So you got to love it. And they are sponsoring our one and done. And I'm going with Eric Amarola. Now, I guess I can't officially lock in just yet because I need to see, you know, practice. But that's where I'm leaning because of the fact that Amarola is good on these high tire wear tracks. Um, I want to get him kind of out of the way. I don't want to really use a lot of the heavy hitters until we see what these guys have to offer. And the fact that Amarola has proven that he kind of comes out of the gate fast. I'm going to take advantage of that, hopefully harness that energy and and throw that to my benefit. So um, got a rebound last year or last week, rather, at Daytona. I used Gillen. He got me to about halfway. My, I'm sitting in like the halfway mark of the standings. Our guy, Rye Cape, is actually in first after week one using uh, Travis Pastrana. So uh, from the insider's room there, good stuff by Rye. And uh, we'll, we'll keep updating the standings on Twitter and whatnot throughout the year. But my pick for the tool hangers, one and done pool, as we sit right now on a Wednesday, is Eric Almarola. So hopefully he can cash in for us. So that will be how we finish off the finishing position segment. Trex Jr. is going to be aggressive. Denny Hamlin out front. Aggressive goes around. So let's wrap things up with the head-to-head section here. Man, it feels good. I, I do this solo when I don't have a guest, and, you know, it's fun to just kind of dig in, write the notes out for all of these. And I want to start. I've got a few things to talk about in this section, actually. I want to start by saying that for two of the last three years, we've hit what I call the Shea Parlay. It's my daughter's birthday coming up this Friday. And any time we've got the race, whatever race is closest to her birthday, I like to throw in a parlay around the numbers for her birthday. And, you know, in the past, I was able to do the the two car, the 24 car, the 19 car all together. Now, um, this year, the sports books have not really given us too much in any of the bets, but head to heads are also kind of slim pickings. So we're going to be Updating that, look to Instagram, see what the official Shea Parlay is. But right now, the lean would be the the 24 car, which we're going to talk about in a second, and the 19 car. She's turning four this year, so maybe I'll mix in Harvick as well if that becomes available to me. So um, we'll, we'll put those together. But it seems silly, right? It seems silly to throw a parlay in like that, but I it has hit two of the last three years. So got some good juju there so keep your eyes peeled for that but let's talk with one of those so if we throw something in it's got to involve the 24 car and that's actually where i'm starting like before the the concept uh hit me realize realization that uh the shape parlay was going to be this weekend i was already focused on the 24 car against alex bowman minus 120 now, Bowman's plus 100, but this is my, I think, my favorite matchup as far as the head-to-heads are concerned. I know Bowman won here a few years back, but Byron, he's sitting at plus 1,600 to win the race. I feel like that's quite interesting to me. I'd probably throw a little something on that as well. Uh, and, and these guys are funny to compare kind of apples to apples. We've got Bowman, who's got one win, but he's riding that one win as far as the stats are concerned. One top five, it's the same thing. One top ten, it's that same finish. Uh, two top 15s. Meanwhile, Byron on the other side is a little bit more consistent. He doesn't have that win here. He's got three top 15s in the last four races. So last season, Byron had a very fast car at Auto Club. He led 16 laps. He was fifth in driver rating for that day. And, you know, you're looking at Bowman. I mean, he got up to second, but he ended up finishing a lap down, whereas uh, it was kind of a not as good of a vehicle byron with that fast car ended up taking himself out of the race i think we referenced that earlier he crashed into reddick so he was out at lap 151 on the high tire wear tracks byron was so much better than bowman last year i mean it wasn't really close um so now you imagine you know they've got the the full season out of the way in that next gen car what did Byron learn from the full season? We're going back to a track type that he clearly likes quite well. He had a, a win in his career at Homestead, which would be considered a comp track here. Uh, Bowman, he missed that last race at Homestead last year, so that's a little bit less experience on these types of tracks. Byron is minus 120, but I really like Byron over Bowman in this matchup, so lock me in here at minus 120 
for old Willie B. Locking it in. Call out the next head-to-head matchup here, and then I'm going to give you a bonus bet. Kind of off to the side. Just throwing it in as a lean, and we'll see. But I needed to take something on Kyle Larson, and that's where I'm going here. Larson is minus 137. Again, not great odds, but he's going up against Chase Elliott, who's plus 107. This is available on Barstool. If one of these other books opens up some head-to-heads and Larson is involved, I would definitely give it a look to see who he's up against. This just happens to be Chase Elliott. So Larson won this race last year, and he led 28 laps in doing so. The thing about the race, though, was he started 13th, and he moved up pretty quickly. He was up to third, I think, halfway through the race. That was very great. And then, you know, he's able to to get it done. So I'm taking Larson because I feel like he has a real shot to repeat and win this race compared to Chase. I think Chase, you know, he's got some things that he needs to overcome if he's going to win the race. I think that Larson and the books agree. And then the people who are throwing money down obviously agree to move that number from 7 to 1 to plus 650. So Larson is somebody that has a threat to win the race. I'd like to have something on him. If it's not to win outright, I would like to have him in a matchup like this. Obviously, the odds aren't fantastic, but uh, I'll take what I can get. Now, I want to look at this from the opposite angle here because I I do understand taking Chase here for the value of plus 107 in a head-to-head matchup. For example, just last week, right, Larson was plus money against Chase after everyone got their hands on the books. And uh, he ended up being plus money going into Daytona. And I'm pretty sure he won that matchup. In the last four races, the driver rating, they're only separated at Auto Club by two spots. Larson hasn't beat, but it is a very close situation. Um, Looking at it, though, Larson's got one win, two top fives, three top 15s in those four races. Chase, just one top five and two top 15s. Larson has a much better average finish, though. The kicker was last year on the high tire wear tracks. It wasn't even close. Larson was six in average finish with two victories. Chase Elliott was 23rd with only one top five at Darlington. So for those reasons, I'm going to go with Larson here, minus 137. Those odds are not enticing to you. I wouldn't hesitate at all to throw that into a parlay, maybe with old Willie B, like we just talked about, to get yourself something a little bit more juicy. But uh, the bonus bet. I just talked about four drivers, all from the same camp. And though I was saying why I like two of them instead of the other two, Hendrick as a team on Barstool is plus 255 to win. I could very easily see that happen. So if you hear me calling out Byron over Bowman or Larson over Elliott, and you're saying, oh, Phil, I don't know if I agree with that, man. I think I like Elliott or I like Bowman. Well, maybe the Hendrick bet is the bet for you because if, you're thinking that you're clearly having a, a tough time picking between the Hendrick drivers. You're saying anybody has a chance in that group to go get it done. We talked about how last year they came out hot on that West Coast trip. Um, they had two wins very quickly. So plus 255 isn't too shabby, especially when you consider the fact that the favorite is plus 650, and that's Larson. They're getting three other guys who definitely have the ability to win the race. If you can't choose between those guys, I don't hate that. And see how things look if they do get to practice and qualify as well. We'll see if that number shifts in any way. But just wanted to throw that bonus bet out there just in case you were listening to this and you know didn't necessarily agree with one of them that I was talking about. Well, you could throw this one in there and get all four of them all together so that's the bonus bet in this part of the episode so now we're going to go to the last bet of this auto club episode and these two drivers might sound familiar we called them out earlier it's daniel suarez versus bubba wallace i called them out in a bet where i was taking austin Dillon to beat both of them but what about these two specifically head to head This bet is super intriguing to me because on DraftKings, you can get Suarez plus 100 as the underdog. But on Barstool, Bubba Wallace is the underdog at minus 105. So, you don't, you know, it doesn't matter who I'm calling out here. If you like the opposite, go and get it. You know what I mean? You have a a good opportunity here, depending on who you like. Now, I am definitely liking Daniel Suarez in this matchup. 
Bubba Wallace has zero top 15s in four starts here, or the last four starts at Auto Club. Suarez finished top five last year. He's got two top 15s, and he's four for four, finishing top 20 at Auto Club. And I like the consistency of that because, yes, in NASCAR, you have things that happen, bad pit stops and getting into other people's business and whatever. But to finish in the top 24 for four, that says something, and it's huge in a head-to-head matchup. The driver ratings for both of them are not great, but Suarez has him beat handily, 68.5 to 47.4. So historically, Bubba just has not had a good trip to start the California road trip or the West Coast trip. Suarez was great here last year, and he was great at the comp tracks. He was third in average finish in NASCAR on the high tire wear tracks, 10.5 in average finish, three of them. He had top 10 finishes. Bubba was 19th in that category. Now, he missed Homestead because of the the anger issue that he had where he was trying to track down Kyle Larson and then fought him. So he missed Homestead's race, so we didn't get to see the stats for that. But all things considered, a head-to-head matchup where you're getting someone who clearly has performed well on these comp tracks at plus 100, man, going up against someone who hasn't put it together at this track I like it. So lock me in officially for Daniel Suarez, plus 100 on DraftKings over Bubba Wallace. So to wrap up the head-to-head picks, I'm going with William Byron, minus 120 over Alex Bowman. That's on DraftKings. Kyle Larson over Chase Elliott on Barstool. Now, with the caveat, if you see Kyle on any other book going up against somebody, I would probably look into that as well, and you might be able to get different odds uh, better for you as the gambler. But Larson, minus 137 over Elliott is the pick here today. And then Daniel Suarez, plus 100 over Bubba Wallace. That is on DraftKings as well. But again, if you like Bubba instead, you can get him as the underdog on Barstool right now. We'll pay attention to see if that changes, but that's what it is at the time of recording. And then the bonus bet of Hendrick, plus 255. If you like the Hendrick crew, everything we called out here with their stats, Lock that in so you get all four of those guys. And keep your eyes peeled for the Shea Parlay. We'll see if we can do it once again. We'll see what drivers become available to us. Probably a Truex-Byron situation. Maybe mix in Harvick. We'll see. If, if Sindra comes available, we'll, uh, we'll definitely throw them or him in as well. But we'll uh, see what comes out as the weekend comes to us here. And remember to keep your eyes peeled on the books as more bets become available. And keep your eyes peeled on the rain that may be coming and disrupting the NASCAR schedule this week at Auto Club. But hopefully we have a good final race to send Auto Club out into the sunset. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter and on Instagram if you can. We'll interact with you on there absolutely love talking shop and give me a look and listen nascar betting preview show every wednesday night live on twitter and on podcast form after it's recorded let's get some bets out there and let's send home set out the right way by making money remember drive fast take chances and we'll see you next week Place to go. Hell, no place to go. Hell, no place to go.